I am really excited that for the next number of weeks, we are going to be looking in the Gospel of Luke at this idea of Jesus, women, and the church. And I have three friends that I've invited to share, one each week. And uh, my friend Angela Lamb is here today. She is on staff with Jesus Collective, uh, a movement of churches that is growing out of the Oakville area. And I have been able to sit uh, and learn from Angela for about a year and a half now, uh, close to two years, and I've been so appreciative of her ministry. She is a good friend. She is a wonderful communicator. She is a brilliant leader, and, uh, and I am so happy for us to have her sharing with us this morning. And Ange, I'm going to invite you to come up and, uh, and just walk us through Luke's gospel and what Jesus has to teach us uh, about women. And uh, thank you for making the trip up from the big city today. Welcome to God's country. Um, and um, it really is. She's from some very beautiful places, but they're just not as. So um, we're just so glad That's to have you here with us this morning. a good way to get started. A little adversarial, <laughs> like, I am new to Canada. Good morning. Good morning, friends. Let's just take a minute to take each other in. Like, hey, hi. We are going to have a conversation this morning, and uh, you might think I'm taking up all the airspace because I get to be the only one that is talking, but every single time somebody does this, we are having a conversation because when I say something, you're going to have thoughts in your own head weighing out whether or not you actually agree with that, like looking for evidence to see if that's true, and if right now, if you're wondering, like, really, are we going to have a conversation because I think she's going to talk the whole time, that is exactly what I'm talking about. That is a conversation. You have the added benefit of hearing my thoughts. I don't know what's going on for you, but this is a conversation. So, Paul, the fact that we're starting out with like, hmm, adversarial, welcome to God's country. So, I just this year moved from California, where I was on a life plan that was like lovely, and then all kinds of disruption, all kinds of disruption. And they started like wearing me down with this concept by telling me that we were in God's time zone like right off the bat, and then now apparently I'm still, even though I'm in God's time zone, still not in God's country normally. I'm in Vaughn. That is where I am uh, living. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> good morning. I just want to thank you and your community for asking for this topic. I want to thank you as a woman, I want to thank you as a female pastor, and I want to thank you as a disciple of Jesus, because the process of sitting with the book of Luke and asking the question, what can I learn about Jesus by looking at how Luke told his life story was really impactful for me. I'm a fourth generation pastor, but a first generation female pastor in a church uh, stream that did not believe that women could be pastors. And it has been a journey. It has been a journey to accept I am who God says I am. I still cannot make it through that song without crying. And so as I have prayed about this conversation, as I have sat in this book of Luke, and I have asked, Spirit, teach me what I can learn about Jesus by watching his interactions with women, it's been amazing. And I'm going to try to be on time. That's the trouble. When pastors get moved, 
you don't get to move ever. <laughs> That's a problem. So like we're going we're gonna to do basically a survey of Luke today. Instead of focusing in on one story, we're going to look at this whole book in light of this. And so since it's a conversation, I just want to pause for a second and invite the other party of this conversation in. So Holy Spirit, this is us sharing space with you, and we know that you're already here. You know that you are, oh, you are already moving, that you have things to say, that you have spoken to us before this moment, but that you want to be in this conversation real time. So this is us acknowledging your presence. This is us opening up our minds. This is me giving you permission in my mouth to move spirits. We are here because we believe Jesus has something to offer us, a different way of looking at life and living. And we want to be sensitive to your voice. So spirit, speak. Amen. All right, so I'm keenly aware as we have this conversation about Jesus and women that there are two genders, at least in this space. And I, I'm keenly aware that as we hear this, we're going to hear this from our unique lens. You'll hear it from your individual lens, but we listen to the world, we experience the world, we listen to Jesus, we see Jesus from our perspective. And so I'm keenly aware of the differences of gender as we have this conversation. And I think there's something for each of us in this space when we consider Jesus from two key themes. As I look um, at this topic, I see Jesus as an advocate and Jesus as a teacher. And we all sit in this space looking for Jesus as a teacher, but I would say to the men in this space, Jesus has something that he's modeling for us in his interactions with women that you need to hear that we need you to hear and see and do in your own life, be discipled by his interactions with women. And then women specifically, I'd love for you to be listening to this conversation from a standpoint of Jesus as an advocate. And that'll make a little bit more sense as we go along, but I know that Jesus is a refuge for us all, that Jesus is for us. I believe what we sang this morning. But I believe that women interact with the world, especially in North America, and they interact with religion in such a way that we need to hear that Jesus is an advocate. <clears throat> so throughout this conversation this morning, I'm going to keep coming back to this is Jesus showing us what advocacy looks like. This is Jesus modeling something to teach us. Uh, so let's, let's start the survey of Luke, and I'll try to give you enough context clues that if you haven't actually read the stories that I'm referencing, they'll make some degree of sense. So in looking at the book of Luke as a whole, to see the interactions that Jesus had with women, you start in Luke chapter 1, which makes good sense. Luke 1 is interestingly enough given almost exclusively through the female narrative. It's so fascinating that here, Jesus, the savior of the world, is going to be born, and in telling the story of Jesus' birth, it's told for the lens of his mother Mary. And then she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who is birthing Jesus' cousin. And it's told through the story of these women, which is highly unusual in the ancient narrative. 
it's beautiful. Like right off the bat, here are these women, and Mary writes this gorgeous piece of literature as an expression of what she's experiencing in this moment. So Luke like hits it right off the bat. Women's stories matter. Women's perspectives matter in a time when they, generally speaking, would not have spoken from the female's perspective. And then Luke goes on to tell the story of Jesus going to the temple when he's eight days old to be blessed. And he's blessed officially as you would have expected. But Luke tells the story of Anna, a credentialless widow who lives at the mercy of the church. She lives in the temple. And she has nothing to offer the world. She is there to receive. But she gives her prayer. She is a faithful servant. And she speaks a word over Jesus. And that was so meaningful to him that when his disciple Luke is writing the biography of Jesus, he makes a point to mention this credentialless widow and the word she spoke over Jesus. That tells us some things about what that meant to Jesus, even in the telling of the story of Anna in the temple. And then Luke goes on to give a whole bunch of recounts of parables and stories that Jesus told all throughout Luke. He does this. What's so fascinating is that in a time when rabbis, which Jesus was a rabbi, in a time when rabbis would have only had male students, they would have only mentored men, Jesus traveled with women, but Jesus also chose to tell stories and parables that spoke to both the male audience and the female audience. And so you see, so fascinating in Luke, consistently there's a pair of stories. So for instance, you've heard of the story, maybe, of the lost coin, and it's talking about Jesus's heart for the lost. He tells the story of the lost coin right next to the story of the lost sheep. Now, the lost sheep would have been a story that would have resonated with the male audience because shepherds were traditionally men at that time. But the story of the lost coin is a woman searching for this lost thing. She centers in the story. The context of that story is a male story right next to a female story. Same thing when he went to describe what the kingdom of God is like. He used a gardening reference of the kingdom of God as like a mustard seed, which would have, generally speaking, been the male domain. But right next to that, he talked about the kingdom is like yeast, which is a bread, baking, cooking, typically the women's domain of the time. Right next to it, he was centering stories that made sense to both audiences, which is unheard of in his day and age. And then also he tells the story, Luke tells the story of Jesus raising the widow's son. And that's a beautiful story. And when we read it, we think like, oh my gosh, the resurrection is the main point of that story, that Jesus has the ability to raise this kid from the dead. But if I think about my own expectations, even in 2022, if a young person has died tragically, I am grieving for the loss of that life. And yet when Luke tells the story, even secondhand, when Luke tells the story of Jesus' interaction, what he says is, Jesus was so moved with love for the grieving widow that he raised her son. That's far beyond even what I am thinking when I grieve these kind of tragic stories. What must be between the lines of all of Luke's stories that he did capture that would have him, when he writes the biography of Jesus, have this much attention to the female narrative of Jesus' life? 
It just blows my mind to think what's between these lines. And then there's the widow's sightings. So I don't know about you, but if someone went to write my biography, how many different ways, how, many, how much emphasis would I have to put into my story's lifeline for you to include this major theme of widows, 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 which in Jesus' day and age were the bottom of society when it comes to rights and acknowledgments because they were a drain on society. If you had been labeled a widow, it was likely not just because you had lost your spouse, but you also did not have children to care for you. You were a drain of resources, a drain on society, and yet all throughout Luke's gospel, there are all of these references of women these widows that Jesus was caring for, loving, highlighting, telling their story, drawing the community's attention to these people and speaking about them in a way that was not a drain, an inconvenience, or something to be suffered through. What would it take for my life to have this reoccurring theme where I have widows and other people who have nothing to offer me as major key points of a theme in my world? I have room to grow in the advocacy for the people who are voiceless. And in Jesus' day, that was the widows. So when I look through, and we'll reference a few more stories, when I look through this lens on the book of Luke, looking for Jesus' interaction with women, what can Jesus teach us in this moment? I was shocked to discover. And this is just the centricity of how we view the world. But I would have said we've come so far in understanding the issues surrounding women in society from the ancient world. I mean, back in the day, women could not own property. There was not voting. That was not a thing. But they didn't have a voice in their communities. They did not have rights and privileges as we know them. They were not uh, able to be witnesses in court, like they did not have rights. So I would have looked at ancient society and said, Jesus's message to that community in trying to speak to the sacredness of all people, the equality that his kingdom uh, brings to the world, I would have thought that his message would need a lot more translation to modern times because we have changed. We have grown. And yet what I see when I look at Jesus' interaction with women through the eyes of Luke, I see lessons that are still alive and well. That Jesus' relationship with women teaches us things for our moment that I'm taking deeply to heart and that I would ask you to consider taking deeply to heart because Jesus is an advocate in a way that I need to grow in. And Jesus is the teacher in a way that I need to grow in on this topic. So I want to list a few things that I see that Jesus' relationship with women teaches us. And the first one that came right off the bat was that Jesus sees women. And that seems like, well, I'm seeing, I'm seeing women. But Jesus' narrative throughout his life story is that he doesn't see women as side characters of the story. He sees women as anchor points in humanity's story. And that doesn't maybe seem that revolutionary, except for the dominant way that we tell stories in our society, in our modern society, and the dominant way that we take in stories is through media, is through our entertainment choices. And I have to tell you, 
woman, when I look at the media choices, I'm consistently appalled at what I see in the storylines where I don't see women like me. I don't see a broad spectrum of women. I see flattened characters. I see side characters. I see women characters who are in orbit around men. I do not see us seeing women. Now, we are growing. There are notable ways in which the story machine that we take in is beginning to understand what it means to see women, to reflect women in our stories. But I think Jesus has something to teach us, both in his advocacy of women. You see... uh, Jesus tells their stories all of the time. I think of the woman uh, who was bleeding for a long time, and she had enough faith to, like, touch his robe, which was a falsehood. Like, that's not how healing happens. That was a myth. That was superstition. But she had enough faith to believe that he had the power to do it, and she just wanted to stay invisible. And he was busy. The crowd was around him. He was on his way somewhere, and he stops to see women. When I watch movies, I'll confess I've really had to work to stop seeing the narrative from the man's perspective. That I used to just be excited to find a movie that had like a decent female character, female lead. Now Netflix totally knows me and it's like constantly giving me the category strong female lead. So like something is happening that Netflix is picking up on my likes. (laughs) Okay, Netflix, come on. But I am learning that I have drunk the same Kool-Aid that I find it hard to see women amongst the male narrative. And I think Jesus has something to teach us about seeing the women in our stories, seeing the experiences that we have through the female lens. And then I also think that Jesus teaches us to receive from women. So Jesus traveled with women in his entourage. He had female disciples. And I think that's amazing. But I also think he, there's this little tiny verse in Luke that talks about the fact that Jesus had women who were funding his work. And it's just this little tiny like, huh, until you like pull in and you look at it and you realize how much discomfort we generally have still in 2022 with women making more than their husbands. We still have some like discomfort with that. Or I know sometimes it's difficult to receive love and care and tenderness from women in vulnerable moments. We struggle to receive and to take in what women have to offer. And so men, I would implore you, when you find yourself discomforted by what's being offered to you from women, like lean in to Jesus as a teacher who was not intimidated, was not less of a man, was not threatened by what these women had to offer him, did not see himself in some way, shape, or form as inappropriately dependent upon women. He was not threatened. He welcomed what women had to offer. And then women, when I look at Jesus as an advocate, I see our society consistently saying to women too much, too much, too much. And I know that's at least my storyline. I have spent almost my entire life with a constant narrative. Too much, too many opinions, too many words, too many emotions, too much energy, too much laugh. Like the list can go on and on and on too much. And I thought that was my unique story until women started to be like 
gutsy enough to share their story with me. When I sat and I listened from a student's posture, the narrative that women are receiving in our midst, it's still a narrative of too much. And that speaks to this way that we need Jesus to be our mentor, that we would receive from women whatever the amount of opinions and ideas and thoughts and emotions and energy that we have to offer. We need to receive that in as Jesus received the care and finances and presence of women in his life. We are not too much women. We are who God said we are. We are children with a full voice, with the Holy Spirit inside of us, and we were meant to bring our voice to the space. Bring it, sisters, and men, receive it. It is your gift from God. Then I also see Jesus exemplifying women. And this is just the natural ramification of Jesus seeing women. But the question to us is, while we look at Luke and we can see this narrative of the female story all the way through this biography of Jesus, the natural thing for Jesus to do if he sees women is to include them when he's telling the hero stories. It makes sense that Anna's story is part of his narrative because he received from her the word she spoke over him as a baby. And that was part of how he saw himself, was the kid, the adult, who was blessed by Anna. Who are our heroes? If we see women, we will fall in love with what women bring to the world. The way that Jesus saw women meant that when he went to tell stories, he was telling the stories of women. And much like, as in contrasted to what I see in Hollywood, Jesus didn't tell the narrative of just perfect women. Like Mary, I mean, gosh, that lady, like she sets a high bar, you guys. Mary, the mother of Jesus, sets a high bar when God looks down and is like, who do I want to mentor my son? What woman do I want to mentor my son? Like, think about the relationships that mothers have with their sons, that mothers have with their kids. God scanned the horizon and is like, who, what woman do I want in Jesus's proximity? And he picks Mary, and I'm like, okay, I cannot live up to that. Like, (laughs) that is something. Like, that is a full-fledged woman. But then Jesus doesn't just talk about the saints and the pure among us. He does not have women into this, like, porcelain category. He talks about demon-possessed women who then became his disciples. He talks about female entrepreneurs and shares space with them. He tells the story of prostitutes and adulterers. Like, he has a full-spectrum picture of women, and he exemplifies their faith. He exemplifies their courage. He, like, talks about who he loves to think about. And women are in there, and then I would beg us... Both men and women, I would beg us, who are your heroes? It's not that uncommon for all of us to have male heroes. Like somebody asked asked me, a kid asked me the other day, who's your favorite Marvel character? And I, of course, said a female. Oh, it was actually an X-Men character. And I said Storm. And he rolls his eyes. I was like, what's wrong with her? What's wrong? He's like, of course you picked a woman. I was like, and I'm doing it right, man. Like, 
yes, of course I picked a woman, but that kid knows me, and that's awesome. And I'm like on a mission to help us start to broaden our horizons of what a hero looks like. Say, like, what? And that's one of the ways that I receive the feedback of you're too much. Like, oh my gosh, this lady's like always on the woman thing. Like, uh-huh, and you should join me. <laughs> Who are our heroes? Who are you listening to? Who are you telling the stories of? Are women represented in those spaces? When you think about who you look up to, and I'm going to go, this is maybe a little bit uncomfortable, but uh, here we are. Like, this is all uncomfortable. All of it's uncomfortable. But who have you let in so far that you would say, that is my friend, my good friend, maybe even my best friend? Like, who are our heroes? Who are we letting into proximity? And when they get into proximity, we can't help it. We just exemplify their stories. We just put their stories out there. Who are our heroes? Jesus exemplifies women. And then Jesus includes them. It's just going to get more uncomfortable from here. So if you have like a little bit of discomfort now, you might want to brace yourself. Shall we take a deep breath? <laughs> Jesus includes women. So I don't like when you think inclusion, it's like, well, yeah, we're all in this space. Nobody said men only into this space. Like women are included. Yeah. So like I get that. But I would say we need to be including women at every level and disproportionately so inside of the church. And I would say society needs to disproportionately do this as well. But if society is not catching on yet, fine, church, let's lead the way. Jesus included women at every level and disproportionately so. What I mean by that is Jesus telling all these stories about women, Jesus exemplifying women, Jesus talking about women was revolutionary. As a rabbi, that was revolutionary. Jesus having female mentors is what I mean by disproportionately so. He did not just say, we need to move this conversation forward with the equality of the genders. He was like, I'm also going to model what inclusion looks like. They can travel with me. They can be my students. They can sit at my feet, which that physical uh, posture sitting at someone's feet was a sign of from the rabbi to the person, I accept you as a mentee, and was a sign from the person to Jesus. So when we see the story of Mary and Martha, and Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet, that is Jesus mentoring her. And the fact that Mary knew that she would be welcome at Jesus' feet, that's gutsy. That's gutsy. The fact that she knew that and she did that means that long before that moment, Jesus had included her. And I get inclusion can be a tricky thing. I get that. Like, sure, okay, somebody's at the table. You're included. But if you look at our various talk times, so let's say, what does inclusion look at your Bible studies or your home groups or whatever it is that you're gathering people around to have these conversations where equality is the expectation? How much airtime are we giving to women? How often do we have a question that is asked in our spaces where we're like, you know what? I think the men should just sit here. Let's have the women speak to this question. And not just the ones that are gender related, you guys. <laughs> like, we need to hear women's voices at every level and disproportionately so in order to help us grow in our ability to see women like Jesus saw women and to receive from women like Jesus receives from women. If I could for just a moment, 
well, I'm a guest speaker, and I'm sorry if you're going to get the hate mail. I'm so sorry. But one of the things I think we need to talk about inside of the church is Jesus as a feminist. I know that's uncomfortable. I know that's uncomfortable. But feminism is simply defined as someone who advocates for the rights of women based on the equality of the genders. That's it. It's just advocacy for the rights of people based on the equality of the genders, which we agree to the equality of the genders. So in that way, Jesus is a feminist advocating for the rights of women. But that's uncomfortable because the society, I don't know why that's uncomfortable exactly, but I know that I struggle to even say I'm a feminist without feeling like, oh, I, do I need to apologize to you for that? Jesus pushed forward the story of women, the experiences of women, women as an anchor point in humanity's story. That's feminism. That's what that looks like. Feminism is not to think that women are better. Feminism is not to be anti-man. Feminism is simply the advocacy of women to bring them. And in this, I feel like Jesus comes back to those themes of like Jesus as our teacher who both taught it and modeled it for us, and then Jesus as our advocate. That, that is Jesus' role for, for the women in this space. Jesus is also your advocate, men, period. He is for us. But I think some of what we need to do is begin to tear down the world's systems of understanding what feminism maybe looks like to us and begin to look at Jesus through the lens of like, what can Jesus teach me about feminism that I do not need to pick that up from the world? I do not need to have the world's definition of that. What does this look like? How can we include women at every level, disproportionately so, in order to begin to have the kingdom reflect the equality that Jesus models for us. And then Jesus learned from women. I love this concept. It is just a specific form of Jesus receiving from women, but Jesus learned from women. He tells the story of a persistent widow, and this is probably a hypothetical story, but he tells the story of this persistent widow who there's this corrupt ruler and this widow is like, my rights are being violated, my rights are being violated. And she comes back and she comes back and she comes back and she comes back until he's so annoyed, the ruler is like, okay, I'm just giving in. <laughs> like, fine, I will make sure that your rights are covered. Which also I think there's some things for us to learn there because Jesus exemplified this story, like put this story up for us. I think there's some things to learn there about what it means to advocate for rights. But the point of the story is not advocating for rights. The point of the story is if that corrupt ruler is willing to be shaped by the persistent widow's pleas, how much more so is our Heavenly Father like waiting, not delaying, but like waiting to be for us, waiting to listen to us, waiting to hear our our hopes, our dreams, our needs, so that he can meet us in that moment. The persistent widow teaches us that Jesus is malleable to our cries, that he wants to actually learn from us. The way he talks about Anna's story in his life, he took that word that Anna had, that had for him as a baby, and carried that through his story. Jesus learned from women. I believe we can learn from women. And then the last thing that I think Jesus for today. <laughs> the last thing I think we can learn from Jesus when we look at his relationship with women is that Jesus believed women 
in a day and age when women were not allowed to be witnesses in court because their stories, their witness was not believed. So if we, if I was being accused of something, I could only have men bear witness for me in order to try to help my story be told. Women could not bear witness. Jesus chose to, to give his resurrection story to women first and trusted that his followers would believe what they said. And you want to talk about a difficult message to get somebody to believe you on? You know that really traumatic thing that happened three days ago? Turns out that's not the end of the story. He's back. Like, that is a difficult message to believe. I don't care who your messenger is. That is tricky. And Jesus, in that day and age, under those conditions, trusted that story to women. And he could do that because he expected his followers to believe women, to believe what they had to say when they said something. I don't know if you're following the larger church narrative in this moment, but women are crying and groaning and telling their stories of abuse inside the church. Some sexual misconduct abuse, but a whole lot of spiritual authority abuse, a whole lot of abuse inside of our spaces. The church, this is not women being random feminists inside of society. This is women in our midst telling their stories. And woman after woman after woman comes forward and is not believed until some kind of police-style investigation is done and her story gets corroborated. Church, we got to do better. We got to do better. Studies show that only about 6 to 9% of women who experience abuse inside of the church come forward. That means that just logically speaking, if someone discloses to you a story of abuse, the stats are highly stacked in her disfavor, in her favor that it was true. We have got to begin believing women and not at the expense of men. We have a faith that is big enough to handle both the abused and the abuser. We have tools for this. We absolutely can restore the wounded and the wounded who is wounding. We can do this. But we have got to begin to change our narrative about women so that it becomes a safe place for women to come forward. And I think if we change our narrative about women, if we let Jesus be our mentor in how we relate to each other as the genders, we can stop the abuse to begin with. And then we don't have nearly so much of an issue about believing women. Like that becomes a moot point. We can do this. We need Jesus to disciple us in what it means to see women, exemplify women, listen to women and learn from them, receive from them. We need to grow in our kingdom equality. And we can do it. We can do it. Jesus leads the way. If you have not read the book of Luke through this lens, like enjoy the journey. It is spectacularly beautiful. So if you want to grow 
in your discipleship, I have a couple of ideas, and they are, like, radically simple. They are radically simple. I would suggest that we need to follow Jesus' example in leveraging story. So Jesus was known as a storyteller. He consistently told parables and stories in order to teach. Our entertainment sources are our teachers. They are. What we choose to take in in our entertainment, whether it is podcasts, movies, books, whatever, we are being taught by the stories that we bring in. So I would say, if you want to become more like Jesus, leverage the power of story. Start to pay attention to what stories you're taking in. Start to ask yourself, what is this movie teaching me about women? And I listen, I get it. We do entertainment in order to turn our brains off. I get it. Like, that's a thing. And yet, our discipleship is always happening, whether we're intentional about it or not. So when we sit down to watch a show or we sit down to, to read a book, asking the question, how is this discipling me to be more like Jesus or not, is, it's happening whether we ask the question or not. So, like, let's, let's ask the question. Let's, let's respect the power of story enough like Jesus did. Let's leverage the power of story. So some of that might be filtering out some of the stories that we're taking in or at least even critiquing it. My husband and I, we maybe watch a story, but then we talk afterwards about how that, this might not be your marriage, and I totally get that, but, like, we're constantly chewing on this stuff. <laughs> We talk about what that story, what that movie or that show or whatever that we were watching, how that reinforces what we understand about women or is missing the mark. It's a thing. Like, it's a thing. It was an adjustment for us to have those constant conversations. But it is possible to be discipled in this way, that Jesus has a voice in what we take in. So some of it might be taking out some of what we're taking in. It's a funny sentence. It might be choosing to put some things in that we weren't doing before. I don't know who your favorite theologians are, who you like to read or listen to their podcasts or follow on social media in order to help your discipleship, who your pastors are. But we all have people who are telling us things about Jesus that we're learning from. So we need to get some female voices into that space. And I'm more than happy to make some recommendations. I'll hang out, like, more than happy to help you get some female voices into your mentorship space. And that might be part of how we leverage stories, like Jesus leveraged stories, to learn from and to be shaped by and to be contributing to society's equality through that. And then the second thing is, like, even simpler but more powerful. I think we need to pray like the widow prayed about equality, about our own participation in Jesus's work of restoring, bringing Jesus's kingdom to like pray like the widow. So I want to read that passage together. It's in Luke 18. Jesus told the story showing that it was necessary for them to pray consistently and never quit. He said, there was once a judge in some city who never gave God a thought and cared nothing for people. A widow in that city kept after him. My rights are being violated. Protect me. He never gave her the time of day. But after this went on and on, he said to himself, 
I care nothing what God thinks and even less what people think, but because this widow won't quit badgering me, I better do something and see that she gets justice. Otherwise, I'm going to end up beaten black and blue by her pounding. Then the master said, do you hear what the judge, corrupt as he is, the master here being Jesus, do you hear what the judge, corrupt as he is, is saying? So what makes you think that God won't step in and work justice? Justice for his chosen people, which that is us, who continue to cry out for help. Won't he stick up for them? I assure you he will. He will not drag his feet. I think we need to pray with that like black and blue kind of persistence. Pray for equality, for justice, for women to be brought into the narrative and have a full voice in our midst and beyond. Jesus' kingdom was not just for us. Jesus' kingdom is the gift to the world. We are the light of the world. Pray like the persistent widow that God's kingdom would come and Jesus' relationship for women would be on us, that we would see women exemplify women, receive from women, learn from women, believe women, and share in true intimacy as a community together. If you would like to join a prayer movement, there is a group of us that every Thursday are wearing black. If you're active on social media, we're posting on social media, we pray every Thursday intentionally that God would move in our midst of we're praying specifically for women in Afghanistan. We're praying for Agar's Voice is a movement that is working in the clergy sexual abuse industry. Like, how can we help women there? These are hashtags you can use, but actually, if you just want to go to that website, there's a group of us that are rising up, and I would say brothers, brothers, join our cries. Cry with us, cry for us, raise your voices, pray on our behalf. Let us do this kingdom work together, joining Jesus in his efforts. Let's pray now. If we're going to start it, let's start it now. God, you have this plan that you have laid out of what your kingdom looks like, and it's not just about gender equality. But your kingdom cannot be in the space as we consistently miss each other. Like, the kingdom is an us thing. And it isn't just about gender equality. Like, we trip up on race. We trip up on ableism. Like, what it means to share life together. You have this vision that we all instinctively know. Not just because it's like the good Christian right answer. But we instinctively know it's a beautiful call. And we want to play our part in it. We are passionate. We are passionate in the beauty that Jesus like walked through the earth on. And we want that in our own lives. So today as we chew on, could, could that be right? Is that what you're trying to say to me? What do we do here? How do we, how, how Jesus, how? As we chew through this, would you tune us into your Holy Spirit? Because this is not an act of spiritual conviction, but then self-reliance. If we're going to bring your kingdom here, it is going to be your Spirit's work, not ours. But our participation with the Spirit is a matter of tuning in and just being open. So as we take a look 
at both Jesus's example and what that might mean in 2022, I know that there is some degree of like, can we do this? We have so far to go, or that's uncomfortable, that sounds exhausting, or that seems hopeless, and I know, I get it. But God, you are not daunted by what is required for your kingdom to come. You are not trembling, wondering how. You are not waiting to work. But the question for us is like, are we part of your efforts? And so we take this moment to acknowledge the beautiful work that you're doing in bringing justice and your kingdom into our spaces. And if you're comfortable aligning your voice with my new life, I would say make a commitment at this moment to be open to the spirits whispering on this topic, going out from here and beyond. Make a commitment to be sensitive to the spirit. And then in that we say, we're with you. We're going where you're going, God. Amen. If you don't know this Jesus that I just spent all this time talking about, if that is not a character that you know, and it maybe seems a little bit too good to be true, that there is a, there is a God who sees you, who is for you, who advocates, who stood in the gap for us, I would say dare to believe. Like, yes, God made flesh in the, in the form of Jesus is exactly what you would expect God made flesh to be. It feels too good to be true. And yet, that is the story of Christianity. And I love that you're exploring it here. Like, keep on that. He is a character worth having and worth following. All right, amen. I stand up here every week and I say things, and you say that was nice, and then you leave. Um, and, and I'm not uh, beyond realizing, like, you're not going to remember most of the things that I preach about. I don't remember most of the things that I've preached about. But you need to remember this sermon. And if it um, excites you, you need to uh, spend some time wondering why. And if it disturbs you, then you need to spend some time wondering why. We don't want every Sunday here to be nice. I'm quite happy for you to leave disturbed sometimes or super excited. Because I think that's how we grow, how we learn from one another. Angela, thank you for giving me a new way to look at Luke because I wouldn't have looked at it that way. I needed to hear that from you. So thank you. She's available to chat afterwards if you would like. Um, Next week, we will have Erica Mills. She's the chaplain from the local hospital here. She has spoken at our unity services. She will do just another great job looking at uh, one of the passages out of Luke. Um, thank you for being here today. Thank you for joining us online. And um, if you are here, and I just forgot the other week, um, there's a box at the back. If you bring uh, paper donations, um, you can give as you're going out. Um, otherwise, electronically, you can go to newlifecallingwood.com and sort that out. But I trust that God will speak to you today uh, with what Ange has brought for us to consider and to ponder. Go in peace.
to love and serve the Lord together. Amen.